Hello and welcome to another episode of the Sports is Job podcast, Journey of the Working Sports Professional. Now, what we do on this podcast is we connect with individuals within the sports industry. They come on to share their story and tell you their journey. Now, today's guest is currently a postgraduate intern with the NCAA Championships Digital and Social Media. She's a Marquette alum, and to name a few places, she's been able to intern or work at Marquette Athletics, Big East, and Fox Office Sports. What she's most known for, though, is her storytelling capabilities. You may have seen her on TV, sideline reporting, interviewing some of your favorite players within college athletics. But most recently, she's had the chance with the NCAA to travel across the nation to help tell the stories of players and coaches within college women's basketball. Now, it's amazing for us, and we're grateful to turn the roles on her. Because now, we're telling her story when she's the one who's usually telling others' stories. So without further ado, our guest is Jenny Fisher. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of the Sports' Job podcast, Journey of the Working Sports Professional. This is your co-host, Colby Castillo, and as always, we are joined by our other co-host, Olivia. Hey, everyone. Again, welcome back, and we have a great episode and an amazing guest for all of you out there today. So I would like to formally welcome Jenny Fisher to the Sports' Job podcast. How are we doing today? Thank you so much for having me. Doing well over here in Indianapolis and excited to be on here. How does it feel to be on the other side of the interview where we ask you the questions? I was going to say that was a great open. That was that was well set up. So you've obviously had your practice in this. But uh, yeah, not often that I'm I'm actually on this side of things. So it's a good switch up. Always good to switch it up. You're, I mean, you're a storyteller. Your job is a storyteller. And here we are. We're about to tell your story. So to start off the podcast, if you could please just tell the listeners in the community out there, what is your current position and what is it you do today? Yeah, so I'm in a postgraduate program at the NCAA. I graduated from Marquette University last May um, and I've been here since June. And so I am in our championships, digital and social media department. And so what I do is I, like you mentioned, storytelling, um, but I think it takes a lot of different forms. So. I ran the NCAA soccer account, which covers Division One men's and women's soccer um, from post from preseason, excuse me, through the national championships, the respective national championships. And so now since I've kind of phased out of that, it's been women's basketball, which basketball is near and dear to my heart. Big time hoops head come from a basketball family. So that's been exciting. Um, and with that, we did um, a women's basketball road trip, actually, where I interviewed over 150 student athletes from some of the top women's basketball programs across the country alongside their coaches. So it's, it's been a lot of different things on camera stuff. I make graphics, I do video, I do photos. I it's strategy. It's a lot of different things, but when you boil it down, it's, it's storytelling and it's the student athletes first and foremost. Take, I took a look at your career as far as you graduated in May of 2019 from Marquette. I know you're a big Marquette fan out there. Oh, yeah. um, looking at the different internships you had, you know, you've had a bunch from Milwaukee Brewers to um, working with WTMJ, with uh, Spectra, with, with working at NCAA. So if you could tell us, how is it that you ended up um, at each intern and what was really the importance 
that you took away from if you could go through the timeline of what you you did in your career? Yeah, so I think the the important and it was unique at the time. I don't know if it's as unique anymore was I did an internship like my freshman year of college and like I feel like that's becoming more common. But for me, I had a mentor who's actually uh, the TV play by play broadcaster for the Brewers. His name's Brian Anderson and he actually does March Madness too. Um, lived in my hometown of Heartland, Wisconsin. And so we kind of got connected through the community there. And he basically was like, look, like you should try to, to get an internship. And I was like, I don't have any experience. And he was like, sort of just shoot for one. Like, why not? Like, there's all these opportunities out there. Why not just, you know, express how much you want to do something and go for it. So started with different internships across Milwaukee. And I even got involved with the Big East because this is another thing that I kind of credit a lot of the opportunities I've been grateful to have through is my big motto is keep showing up. And it's a quote by this woman, Desi Linden, who's a famous runner. Um, she was known for the Boston Marathon, the first female in like 30 some years um, from America to win it. And she said, it's some days it's going to, excuse my, my language, some days it's going to feel like you're trudging through hell. Some days it's going to feel like you're born to do it. Um, but no matter what, you keep showing up, you see what you've got, you give your best and like you see how it goes. And so I've just kept showing up. I've sent a lot of cold emails and been like, hey, no, we don't know each other, but my boss at Marquette Athletics knows you and you work at the Big East and I love basketball and I know our season's going to be over, but I would love to, to volunteer to help out in any way. And they're like, oh, you know, so-and-so, they hopefully go back get a good recommendation. And then things have like opened up in that way. So I think the big thing is like utilizing the network that you have. I think some people, like I'm really big on like interacting with people, obviously the storytelling and figuring out the common denominators. And so it's like, figure out the people around you, not networking in a schmoozy way, but in a way where it's like, here are my goals. I wanna work in basketball and storytelling. If they know how to get you there, they respect you, they want to help you, they know you're a hard worker. Um, hopefully they'll they'll kind of, I like to say, give you a lob. Like, <laughs> the basketball. basketball. <laughs> and you only throw lobs to people that you know can throw down. So like, <laughs> you gotta you gotta be sure of that. But that's, <clears throat> to keep showing up and, and to just really connect with people and show people that you care is, is some things that helped me throughout my internships and now thing the world that we live in um social media is a big thing and just to let people know how we got connected was through twitter you know it's the constant you can send out a tweet and then you don't know who in the world could actually see it but also sliding into i like to say it this way is sliding into the dms sliding into the instagram or the twitter dms um shooting them a message and telling them uh this is who i am this is my connection to you or what is your goals and i think it's important that we all be authentic in everything we do especially on the social media post side because sometimes we can get lost and and say certain things but one of the the quotes that i like is that social media doesn't change us is expo it exposes us so is is what you do on social media a reflection of you and how is that a reflection of you so one of the things i like to talk about is because you talked about your in storytelling. Your job is to tell stories and do it in many different ways. So has it always been your motive? Has it always been your goal to do what you do and to tell the story of others? I think, yeah. Um, 
I think at the very beginning, when I was first starting internships, it was like I would do a, a radio internship, I would do a TV, and I'm like, oh, I want to like do this this on air thing because that's the only way I saw storytelling. But then as I explored different avenues and like you kind of tap into that more creative side, I was like, I never want to box myself in. Is something else I'm really big on, and so storytelling was always at the center of it. Like when I was a little kid, I would like write books for my parents, which is so weird. Like when you look back, but like writing was what completely got me into it. I use it every day now, like no matter what I'm doing, if it's writing copy, if it's writing a story. Um, so it's just, storytelling has always been at the forefront. And like you said, it, it's for others, like here at the NCA, it is so about the student athletes. It's about their experience. It's about giving them the best possible experience that they can have. Um, and that's something that I try to, you know, we just did a, a story with Tiana Mangakahia over at Syracuse, the women's basketball player who just overcame breast cancer. And it's like things like that. It's like, oh my gosh, like you just hope to do it justice. And like I said, just kind of grateful that, that I'm able to have these opportunities here. As like someone in my field as well, communications, like I am trying to like you said, not keeping myself in a box and like writing and everything. So I'm trying to do more creative writing stuff. Um, one of those things is storytelling. So I guess like for me and everyone else who's listening, do you have any tips on how to properly tell a story? See, that's such a good question because I feel like it can vary. Um, honestly, I love if it's a visual story, if it's a video, show that person in the way that like how you first met them. So the Tiana piece I just mentioned, it was a video. I went like, yes, I need to let people know that she has breast cancer in the first visual. So it's going to show her being bald, but I want to have her smiling because she was one of the smiliest people. She was outgoing, she was charismatic. And so I'm not going to show her sad and doom and gloom because that's not how it's a hundred percent been throughout the process for her. So I think, um, and something I learned in journalism school at Marquette from one of my favorite professors, Mark Taromsky, was that you have to feed people surprises. Like you have to stick surprises in that will want people to keep watching or to keep reading or to keep like going forward in, in what you've captured them into. Um, and if you don't have surprises, if it like, and sometimes that surprise can be starting the story where people wouldn't normally start it, or there's so many different tactics that you can use. Um, like I said, I'm always worried about doing the story justice. Um, am I being authentic? Am I telling the story the way the person that I'm telling the story about would want it told? And that's something I, uh, perspective, I guess, that I try to bring to the national office too, is like some people will like um, post like a photo of a, a back of a jersey or like an empty soccer field or something that's, it's it serves its purpose for sure. But my big thing is let's show the faces, let's show personalities. like. And what would these student athletes like? What would they care about? And what's the common thread through not only what's the most engaging content, but what do people care about that's maybe intangible? Mm -hmm. So that was a long-winded answer. But <laughs> storytelling can, it can take a lot of different forms and it's figuring out what is also the best medium for that story. I'm not going to tell the Tiana piece through a podcast. Um, that could be a secondary form of storytelling. I could have like visuals through photos and things like that tied into the video, but the best way is through her, her own words, through her face, and the way that she views her story for that story to be, I don't know, the way that maybe she would want it told. And, and looking at your different interviews that you've done and the content you put out, 
I think I really took a, I took a look at a video from all the way 2017, you did a scholarship video. And then I also took a, I took a look at the different reels you did. And then also I did look at the piece with Tiana and it seems like there was a transition and transformation for you throughout the process. It seems like you built a little more confidence along the way. So for someone who's getting in sports media or is trying to be a sports reporter, how do you build that confidence to get in front of a camera, to get behind a mic and ask these people questions, especially when these individuals are sports stars or, you know, you interview Milwaukee players, you go around the country interviewing big name coaches. How did you build that confidence to really get behind that mic and feel comfortable doing this? Yeah, well, I used to be terrified. Um, and I think you have to, you kind of have to go through the terrified part. And it's not that I was terrified of talking to people. Like I loved talking to people. I loved getting people to laugh. That's like my number one interview tip. If you get someone to laugh before you interview them, like you're golden, like you're going to get your best stuff out of them. And so like for me, it was, I used to freak out because in my head it was, okay, the Big East is giving me the opportunity to do sideline reporting. Um, and it's DePaul against Marquette. And this game was on FS1 last year. Now it's on their digital network. And I'm the sideline reporter. And like, I don't have as many reps as these people. And they're putting all this trust in me. Like I'm 19 years old. Why are they trusting me? And so it was getting over the, the small factors and um, kind of listening to maybe what other people are saying and not your own subconscious um and also like having a good network of people that support you in the sports industry is second to none like mm -hmm. other people that can tell you hey i watched you do that to paul marquette game um i love the question that you asked uh natisha heideman about her coach saying like she's the best shooter in the country how did you come up with that or like i'll reach out to kim adams is one of my great friends she did the the WNBA finals this year like she is top notch love her to death and like her and I like will go back and forth especially when I went to go on this women's basketball road trip and so having that network and then telling yourself that like it's not as big of a deal as you think it is like when I sat down with Sabrina Unescu I was like oh my god she's the coolest girl in the world she is a walking bucket literally yeah, yeah. and then I was like you know what like we're just talking about basketball like at the end of the day sports is so like minuscule we can build it up to whatever we want it to be but at the end of the day it's putting a ball on a hoop and we're just talking about it so mm -hmm. like how much harder can it get um boiling it down to to those kind of things really helped me so the the advice i would give to to someone trying to aspire to be in sports reporting in any aspect is just remember that you're just connecting you're being a connector with someone and when you're talking about sports it's it's really not super complicated, so keep it as simple as possible. Do you have any favorite games that you remember doing sideline reporting for in the Big East? I mean, that DePaul Marquette one was was really good because that was the rematch from the Big East championship. And so for me, that was that was huge. I did a couple soccer games. It's always like the the off the field or off the court stories that like stand out for me too. There was a, a super senior that had scored the game winning goal in one of the women's soccer games I did. I went down to DePaul and did a couple men's soccer games there. And um, soccer is like not something that I really knew. So that was even fun, just like getting mm -hmm. to around something newer. But also like the Big East tournament uh, last year, part of my job was to go into the locker rooms post game and get stuff for the Instagram story with these players and ask them questions and get them to, to come up with an answer that was less than like 10 seconds long. So 
even just small moments like that where you just get to interact and and communicate and connect with people when it's not like the same people or the same stories is is part of what I enjoy. I think the uh, most amazing thing when I, when I look at analysts or reporters and I, I know you're a Marquette fan is I wonder how the heck do you stay neutral when you're you're doing your reporting a game where your favorite your favorite school and the school you went to um, is playing was that difficult for you to do? Oh yeah, because like it goes <laughs> so deep for me. My mom and dad both played basketball at Marquette. Mm-hmm. I grew up going to all the Marquette basketball camps, like through and through. And so they're playing DePaul, and I'm like, I don't like DePaul. Like, what am I, I wasn't say good things about DePaul. Like, and my dad would like text me and be like, Oh, that was such a great play by like the DePaul point guard. And I'm like, Why are you saying nice things about DePaul? So, <laughs> It's just, it is difficult. I think especially being at the national office has taught me that you kind of put your blinders on and you, you treat everything as, okay, is this a good story? Before mm-hmm. you're, you're like, oh, like Marquette, they're not doing so hot, but I would love to post about them, but I'm not going to just pull that card and, and do something like that. So. And I like to read this, this message because you talked about you have a good network of people who you reach out to and they kind of keep you in check as far as, you know, certain questions you're asking, things like that. So I'd like to read this to you and ask you how you feel about this. Um, I pulled this from your Twitter and this is basically a message you said um, you received from somebody who told you that they said in quotes, I know we're not too close, but I just wanted to let you know, you really inspire me and I really look up to you. You're one of the strongest women I know. And I just really love seeing you succeed in life, always being positive and keep faith through all of your struggles. And now I mentioned this, this video that you did about two years ago for the scholarship. And you mentioned two people that you really looked up to and the two people that really got you to the career you're in. And you mentioned Aaron Andrews and Doris Burke. Now, when I read this to you, how does it make you feel knowing that this career, the things that you're doing now, there's little girls out there, there's people out there who send these messages to you and look up to you and that you could possibly be the reason why they get into a career just like how you did because of Doris Burke and Aaron Andrews. Whew. This is like one of the questions we ask women's basketball players when we're, when we're on the road or when we're interviewing them. So like to hear this turn back on me is a little like, <laughs> it's like I haven't thought about it. First of all, um, mm-hmm. I've asked that question a million times and I haven't thought about it myself. I think, I think for me, it's just, I'm grateful for this opportunity. Like my life could have gone whoop and instead it's, it's gone a completely different way. Um, and so for me, it's, I'm grateful. I mean, like I think of like, yes, like Doris Burke, I think she is incredible. Erin Andrews, when I was 13 watching a Packers game and she was sideline reporting at Lambeau Fields, like that was the moment where I was like, oh, I could like, I could do something like that. I even think about Sophia Minert, she was at Marquette. She's um, doing stuff with the Brewers now, had done stuff with the Bucks. Like she has been second to none, would meet me for coffee and talk about internships and things like that. And I don't know, like I've had so many women or just mentors in general. It doesn't have to be a female. Like my boss here, Christian, incredible. Um, People who have just like lifted me up and trusted me and given me opportunities um, to shine. And I've just tried to like really take ownership of that and try to to do my absolute best and like I said to keep showing up and so to think about potentially young women young girls whoever it may be looking up to me that's 
I still got more work to do um, is what goes through my head. Um, and I'm just excited to, to hopefully lift those people along as well. Is sideline reporting something that you do want to do in the future or is there anything else that you're interested in doing after this internship ends for you? Yeah, I think for me, um, my two biggies are basketball and storytelling. And so I'm like, if that, if that's talking to people, like I said, I love interacting. And so like being behind a screen in the social media world is a little hard for me. Um, and I miss being at events and things like that constantly, but I could see myself um, doing sideline reporting, doing on camera work. Um, I could also see myself doing social media for a basketball team or for a basketball conference like the Big East or whatever it may be. Um, so we'll see. It, to be determined, I will be on the market, on the job market come May. So I had to plug that in there. So. You heard it, everybody. Jenny's about to be on the job market and looking for a job. So if you're listening to this episode, um, I'll tag her Twitter, her Instagram, all her different reels. So you can check out all the great work she does. Um, and I think you mentioned when you talked about when people look up to you, really why you do what you do. And that's this is going to be a question for all of us, Olivia, myself and you. When we look at what is the, the true reason why we work in sports? Um, you said something about people people look at sports and they're like, oh, it's cool. They can work in sports, but not everybody gets into it to make it better. And looking from it, from my personal standpoint, standpoint, you know, the, the whole motive behind me is yes, it's work. It's, it's cool to work in sports. I get to go to events. I get to interact with the amazing coaches, the student athletes, but the core of it all is opportunity. The core of it all is making it a better experience for the people that come after me. Um, I was born and raised in Hawaii. And I got the opportunity to come to Division II school all the way in the opposite side of the country in Minnesota. And I'm still here five and a half years later. I've met some amazing people. I've met my girlfriend. I've met, met amazing mentors. I met so many amazing people through this process and this journey. And what was the reason behind all of it? It was sports. There's a human side of sports. There's people, there's amazing people part of it. And so what I really want to do is just I want to make the circulation come around. And I, I tweeted something um, today talking about I want to create this circulation of, of people constantly helping each other because truly that's what life is all about. It's about helping build other people up for success because there's so much success out there and I, people don't realize it, but I just want to show people that they can do it. There's so many different things you can do. So really the motive behind me for working in sports um, is opportunity. So if Jenny or Olivia, or if you want to go next and talk about your reason. I can, I can go next. So I guess like going, coming into school, I really had no idea what I wanted to do. But, you know, like growing up my whole life, I have played soccer and then playing three years of college soccer, you know, I think it would have been extremely hard for me to not be involved in sports somehow. Mm -hmm. um, you know, so like my, I remember like, Jenny, like we kind of have like a similar story. Like, you know, I started getting into basketball, but I've been playing soccer my whole life. And, you seem to know a lot about basketball, but not a ton about soccer, but you have learned a lot about soccer. Um, but I remember the very first basketball game I did working for Sean at Lee Soccer Gymnasium, sitting on the sideline and putting stat crew. I just remember like, wow, like what I'm doing like has a big impact. Like it's something really small, but like these stats like are important to the team. Like, I think every, like, the one thing I love about working in sports and working for the Gophers is that what I do, it has an impact. I have the opportunity to like what, like what we're talking about with Jenny, like to tell 
these athletes stories and to to network them and help them like show their off show off their skills and you know I'm like really thankful for the opportunity that I have to be where I'm at and especially like working for the Gophers and like being a maroon and gold family like you know growing up going to the hockey games basketball games football games like everything and now being on the other end of it and working for them and making an impact even in like the the smallest way is what I really love about sports. Yeah I mean I think you guys nailed it on the head especially talking about like some people love sports but I think like there's a fan aspect and then there's like a you want to make it better you want to contribute to what's been given to you like in a give back kind of sense and for me it was like I couldn't imagine my life without sports. Um, I think it is an identifier for a lot of people but beyond that it's it's a connector so for me, like why I'm in sports, like I always think about like, it was never about me anyways. Like my life should never be all about me anyways. If it is like I'm doing something wrong and that's a really selfish mindset and kind of narcissistic. And so I'm like, you know what, like my, and this was big at Marquette and I, and I credit them because I feel like I picked it up there. Like what I do should be for others. Like it, if I'm just doing things for myself, then I've got it all wrong. Um, and so to be able to, to do things for others, tell their stories, um, contribute to something that's bigger than myself is I think a really big reason of, of why I'm in sports. So really, I'm gonna ask a question if that's allowed. Go ahead, go <laughs> yeah, ahead. It is. Okay, so what keeps you guys in sports? Um, what keeps me in sports? I guess I'll go first. Um, so my whole story, I guess I have to, I have to start off beginning uh, freshman year of college. I came from Hawaii, right? Um, and I come from a Filipino, Japanese, Asian culture. And one of the things growing up is my grandparents always emphasized, you got to be a doctor. You got to do this. You got to be a nurse. You got to work construction. Grades for me was always first. Sports was second. But then I realized when I got here to university, I met my, my mentor and my advisor, Eddie Walker. And I came in saying I wanted to be a physical therapist and, and sign up for health science classes. He said, keep it open. You don't know you're a freshman, you're 18 years old. The reality of it is you're still a kid. You went through your whole life being told what to do. Now you have the freedom choice. So try a different classes. I tried my first two SRM sport and recreation management classes and I fell in love. I realized the expectations of others was what my expectations were. It wasn't my expectations. It was the expectations people had for me. The goals I had, or the goals other people had for me. So now, fast forward, I'm working in sports, I'm seven months in, and I can tell you it's super stressful. Anybody out there who, who, who's about to work in sports, <clears throat> it gets stressful. Like Jenny said, it's an up and down journey. It's not gonna be highs and all the time. It's a roller coaster ride. But I think one of the mo best moments, in it, and it was, it was this past year, this, about two months ago, was a home basketball game, the alumni game. Um, there were two parents that came to the game. And both of them were alumni of our school. One of them was a men's basketball player. The other was a women's basketball player. And they brought their seven-year-old son to the game, and they're watching the game. I just so happened to be sitting um, in front of them. And you can hear them telling their son about the stories about, about, this is where I used to play. This is where I used to play. This is where your mommy and daddy used to play. And you hear the son and say, Daddy, you used to bounce the ball on that court? And I was like, from that moment, you know, I, it made me realize that, the ups and downs and the roller coaster ride is worth everything that I go through. And I think the, the one thing that keeps me in sports is 
I have a mission and I, I have a goal and it's not complete. And one of the things I always talked about is I wanted to be an athletic director, but that's changed for me. Now, my goal and my mission is really to provide opportunities to, to others through sports. So it's having that infinite goal where I'm not placing myself on the timetable. I'm not placing myself on saying, once I get this position, um, I'm done, I'm fulfilled. It's, I want to provide opportunities. So for me, the mission will never be complete and I always have work to do. You know, that question, no, I guess not I'm answering, <laughs> but the question, like you really think about it, it is loaded in like a small way. For me, I think, like I, I back to my stories, like coming in like undecided and then finally like deciding my major is communication. Like I didn't really know what I wanted to do, but Sean really opened that gateway for me of what sports information is. I think personally, I really want to do this just because like you don't see a lot of women in sports and to kind of like create a pathway for that and to do something different. Like I'll never forget, I worked the, I think it was the Penn State Gopher basketball game. And after every game, we do press conferences for the teams. The sport contact, or I guess sports information director that walked up with the Penn State basketball coach was a woman. And I like, I thought that was like the coolest thing because like Penn State is an amazing, I think they're still ranked top 25 right now, but you know, to see like a, a female in like a position that normally like a man would have, like that like really empowers me. And that's like something that I want to strive to do one day to like be able to kind of clear the pathway to do that. And, you know, like it's a very like unknown field, I think, to a lot of people that no one really thinks about it, but it's definitely something that I want to continue doing just because like you don't see a lot of women in that area, in that field. Yeah. So how about you, Jenny? How, what, what keeps you doing what you're doing here? I think, once again, you guys said it better than I could have. I, I think that my why is connected to it and that there's just work left to do. So mm -hmm. I can wrap it up as quickly as that. <laughs> so you also, so let me get back to you, you tweeted, and I pull a lot of things from your tweet. I've been through it. Let's just say I kind of stalked you a little bit if you want to put it in the plain terms that way. You, you posted a page from the book by uh, Shoe Dog by Phil, Phil Knight, if I'm getting that correct. The page said, I wanted to be successful. Unlike my friends, I didn't know what that meant. Money, maybe wife, kids, house. Sure, if I was lucky. So I guess my question to you is, what is success to you? You are, you did your homework and you're coming with the great questions. Like I'm, I'm seriously impressed and slightly stumped, but <laughs> I think success, uh, and this is something that when we were at Baylor, um, I sat down and asked, uh, their head coach of their women's basketball team, Kim Mulkey, this, she's got her 600th win. She's the quickest head coach in all of D1 basketball, the 600 wins. She is, I'm sorry, a badass woman. And so I, I was like, she's had all this success. And I asked her like, what was your first taste of success and how do you measure it? And she was like, you can measure it a ton of different ways, but like, I'm not done succeeding what I need to succeed in. Um, and it's just like winning games is the short term goals. And if you can succeed in that, then it's winning tournaments and winning NCAA tournaments and the list goes on and on. So I think for me, I measure success in a lot of different ways, but something that's really important to me is, is my family proud of me? Like, 
it's not like a validation that I need, but like when my dad picks up the phone after a Marquette game and talks to me about how he thought it went or whatever, and he mentions that like he's proud of what I'm doing, like that is like success in my eyes. Um, and I know that sounds like a little, a little different, um, but I don't think a title is success um, as far as like a position and a career. Um, and some people here may say like, oh, trophies and national championships are success, of course. But I think it's, it's telling people stories. It's being able to make the people around you that love you proud and just being able to, to know that there's more work left to do. I agree with you on that too. Like I, I'm very similar in that aspect as well. Like the one thing that I ever want to do in life is to make my parents successful. Like I could do, like I could get all of the compliments and all of like the reassurance in the world from the people I work with now, but the only two people I care about who think I'm doing a great job are my parents because they've invested like so much time and energy into me and everything that I'm doing. And they've, they're like, example like my dad is the person that reached out to like my boss at BU because I was too scared to do it myself so it's like I would have never ever made that connection if he wouldn't have gone out of his way to do that for me because like I was I was a, like a little 19 year old baby like scared to do that but now I do that every day with people and you know like I agree with you like no amount like they're the two people I really care about yeah, I, th I think admir admiration from um, from people about what we're doing. I remember the first DM that I got when doing this podcast, there was some dude from Ireland who was like, oh, I took a listen to your episode about your story. Actually, you know, I, I decided to make the move to England working in soccer now. So I was like, what? I was like, dude, I was like thinking in my head, like no amount of money, honestly, could have made, made me as happy as that could have. I mean, that was definitely, you know, admiration from everybody is one of those things. And I want to get a little personal. Um, and I know this is part of your story. And because, you know, I, I lost my grandpa to cancer about 10 years ago. He was the person I was closest to. He was the person I looked up to. He was the person I spent the most time to with. Um, when my parents got mad at me, I was mad at my parents. I ran to my grandpa. And I would sleep with, um, with him at his house with my grandpa. And he passed away 10 years ago to cancer. And I think you know, for you, Jenny, we haven't mentioned it yet, but you've mentioned it a lot of places. You lost your mother to suicide, which is an unfortunate situation. But I, I go through life and I went through life really going through a lot of the big milestones, playing my first varsity football game, graduating from high school, graduating from college, getting my first job. And I think about the number one person I wanted to speak to and tell was my grandpa. And it, it just sucks. And it was the reality that I still deal with 10 years after the fact that I deal with it. And I'll be open that I, I have reached out. I've been to therapy sessions. I've, I went and I have, I've went to talk to people because over the time I've created this wall around me where I wasn't somebody who showed emotions. I wasn't somebody who let my emotions out. I just stood there. I said, yes, yes, sir. No, sir. I did what I was told. And there was really no emotion behind it. And one of the things growing up I also had to deal with was my mother who lost her father and I can never relate to her in that point, but she was very, she was going through a lot and she still goes through a lot. So it's one of those things, mental health, uh, mental health awareness, suicide prevention. It's something I definitely can relate to. And, and it sucks to this day. I still miss him and I wish I could tell him what I was doing in this podcast I was doing. So I guess really Jenny, what I want to ask you is, is really, 
talk about that journey of going through um, and share as much as you want. But also, what do you think it is that your mother would tell you when um, she would see you doing these sideline reporting, these different things like that? Because honestly, it, it is one of those things I always think about is like, what would my grandpa, what would my papa tell me when he saw me cross that, cross that stage graduating? So if you could just share with us, Jenny, I, I very appreciate it. Yeah, no, and I appreciate you having the courage and the respect to, to bring it up because it's something sometimes people shy away from. It's something I try to be open about because it is my story. Like I can't hide from it. So why would I try to kind of hide it from the world, so to speak? Um, and for me, like you're mentioning like varsity football game and stuff. Like in my head, I was 13 when I lost my mom. And so I, like she never even saw me get my braces off. And I was like, would she think like I'm cute? Like, I don't like little things like that. So it's for me, like, it especially like is coming full circle here at the NCAA because I mentioned to people like when I'm interviewing these women, women's basketball student athletes or coaches that like, yeah, like my mom played at Marquette and they're like, oh, no way. Like Kim Mulkey, who I just mentioned, um, she's known for being like a little, I don't want to say rough around the edges, but she's just intense. Um, she's very much an intense coach. And so I was like, how do I relate to her? Like, she's going to sit down with this no-name chick from the NCA that she has no idea who it is. They, they told me that she, like, asked who she was talking to and that she was like, what? Who's Jenny Fisher? <laughs> I was like, oh, boy, this is going to be a roller coaster. Um, but my opening line to her was like, hey, didn't you start playing college basketball right around the time it became an NCAA-sanctioned sport? And she was like, yeah, I did. And I was like, so did my mom. And she was like, oh my gosh, where did she play? Did you know my daughter's on my staff here? Like, and it just, it flowed a little more naturally than when she found out that I was not only just a human and a person, but a person who had a connection to something that she also cared about that she was a part of. So I think about my mom all the time. Like people probably don't realize how much I do think about her. Um, and it's not just in the, in the light of how she died, but in like the light of wow, she never got to see me graduate eighth grade, high school, college from her alma mater, where I lived like down the block from where she used to live. Like this whole full circle thing has just been so wild. Like, and now like I get to contribute to the game that my mom like simultaneously helped build when it was in its infancy in the early eighties. Like it's, it's weird. Um, it's not how I would have pinpointed things going. So I think she would, she would be ecstatic. Like, oh my gosh, if I, if I would be able to call her on the phone, she would be like, I'm coming down to Indianapolis. I want to like, see where you're living, what you're doing. Like, how's Marquette doing? Oh, not that great. That's okay. They'll get them next year. Like she was, she was always very ecstatic, always very involved. She would do cartwheels like randomly and she was way more fit than I was which is like, my dad is too, he has like orange theory, but that's beside the point. But it's just, it makes me proud of, of what I'm doing, especially the mental health aspect, like that cannot be undersold, especially in student athletes across the entire sports world. Like you're overworked, you're overtired, you are potentially not getting paid enough. Like there's so many variables that could cause stress, anxiety, depression, just unwellness um, that I think mental health and being able to talk about it and connect with people about it in your network around you and then whoever you meet just being able to to respect that and to be able to talk about it so and also while we were backing up a little bit 
shout out to you guys for for having this podcast and and valuing storytelling especially in the sports sphere uh, as much as you guys do one of the big things right is we see these big name people these uh people who made it in the career and we're like how can i get there like how the heck can i be like that but it's important to realize they were in our shoes Mm -hmm. um they were in your shoes if you're listening out there they were not to say ordinary because nobody is ordinary. Everybody's unique in their own way. You're special. And I really mean that you're special in your own way. So everybody at one point started in their career where you're starting. So eventually you'll be like them as long as you put in the work and you know, whatever else it takes, um, you'll definitely get to where they want to be. And so, you know, you did tweet out on the tweet where we did connect that you did have something that you wanted to talk about and say, so I guess the real question is, what is that topic? And let's get right to it. Uh, I think what's been on my mind and my heart a lot lately, and so many people are like, what do you want to talk about? Like, what's going on? Are you okay? Like, and I was like, no, no, I'm fine. Like, I just, I, something that has really been brought out lately is I wish women's basketball was getting the love and respect um, it deserves. And especially on the heels of the Sabrina UNESCO record of, um, 2,000 points, 1,000 assists, 1,000 rebounds. Um, I think that women's basketball is is a little bit undersold by the media. Um, and I would say that women's basketball coaches agree, as well as the student athletes. When we were at DePaul interviewing um, their head coach, Doug Bruno, he was like, we are still behind the eight ball. And it's something that I think about all the time and I see um, across social media. And I mean, I even made a tweet um, it was, it was a little bit of sass, which is part of my personality, um, where an American men's basketball player, which shout out to him, he passed the feat of 2,000 points, 500 assists, 500 rebounds, which incredible stat <clears throat> taken away from him. I saw it as a moment to elevate women's basketball and say, you guys know Sabrina's about to surpass 2K, 1K, 1K. And it kind of, it blew up a little bit. I was like, I'm not trying to take a shot at this guy. Um, <laughs> But ever since then too, like some people were like telling me, oh, you shouldn't have done that. Like, it seems like you're clapping back at their SID for not mentioning mm-hmm. that whatever. And cause he didn't mention that it was um, the best record in men's basketball. He just said in basketball. Um, and so I was kind of like, Ugh, like, should I have done that? Should I not have done that? But for people who know me, it was about elevating and bringing light to women's basketball. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's something that I just, it's a fight worth fighting for in my eyes. And I know that can go across multiple sports, not just basketball. It can be, it can be soccer. It can be water polo. It can be whatever you want it to be. Um, But for me, the gender disparities in basketball um, are something that I feel like deserve a little more attention. I'm, I'm so happy that you said that because like, I I would definitely like consider myself a a feminist And, you know, like, I'm sure you know this, but growing up in sports, especially as a woman, it's not easy. And there was one thing that, like, stood out to me so much that I absolutely loved last year. Um, But last year at the Final Four, did you see what Muffet McGraw said? Yeah. She went off and it was wonderful. That was, like, I was like, yes. (laughs) You got to fill me in here. (laughs) What what did she say now? So, um, someone asked her, I can't remember, I can't quite remember. That summit passing away and how she feels like she has to step into this role now 
as like a female coach leading yeah and then she after she was asked about it she brought up like the equal rights amendment and how it still hasn't been passed and i actually have like the article pulled up so i'll like read the quote that she said she said I'm getting tired of the novelty of the first female governor of the state, the first female African-American mayor of the city. When is it going to become the norm instead of the exception? Which, like, I think, like, I completely agree with her. Like, I think it's amazing that this is the first one to do this, to do this, and do this. But, like, one, it should never be, like, overshadowed by, like, a men's sport ever. Mm-hmm. And two, like, it should not be, like, the norm. Like, people, like, young girls should be able to like look up to that and like know that that's there like that's already happened and something that they can strive to so yes I, I loved what she had to say <laughs> about it last year so so what do you think is how do you think both of you how do you think we I mean we solve this because okay look we're both all of us um we're really in the beginning stages of our career and really it's up to us I guess to make that change and, and to make that the norm so what do you think is the solution? How do you think we do it? Um, personally, like as someone who's active on social media, I really think that it just starts with teaching everyone that everyone's equal and anyone can do anything they want. Like you see these account, like Twitter fights about it and everything. And it's like someone says something that is sexist and it, they're like, oh, but it was a joke. Like, I don't mean it. But it's like, that's kind of where it stems from. It's like, you saying that, like, makes it okay. Like, mm-hmm. even if you don't think it's okay, you're making it okay by even, like, joking about it. And I don't think it's something to joke about. And I think, like, women in sports, like, it's definitely come a long way from where it started. And I think, like, that's something we need to celebrate more often. And, you know, just being more active and vocal about, like, congratulate like i think one of the top followed gopher sports account is the women's soft is the softball and they're absolutely like unbelievable like they made it to the softball world series last year for the first time and like they went viral like last weekend and i'm so like happy to be at minnesota because like it's probably like one of the few schools i could be completely wrong where the women's sports are almost better than like the men's sports and we definitely like definitely talk about that a lot because you know that you know that's a I feel like that's kind of rare almost mm-hmm. yeah I mean I would say like my big thing is storytelling is such a great aspect to make these things known for women and their accomplishments within their sport outside of the playing field whatever it may be um, and I think it's great that men's and women's for this instance, let's say basketball is like conjoined and they kind of aid in the, like the men will lift up the women. This is especially evident in the NBA and the WNBA to me. Um, but I don't like the the feeling of like the, the little sister or like the in the shadows of thing. And I think that needs to change. Also, some people view it as it has to be men's basketball or women's basketball, like pick your poison. Like, and I'm like, I love all basketball. Like, yes, I'm going to watch March Madness, like, I'm going to watch the men's tournament, but I'm also going to watch the women's and be at the women's Final Four, like, I'm not anti-men's basketball by any means, Um, but I think it's something where, like, yes, we can complain about not enough fans showing up to women's games and things like that, but I think instilling in the value through storytelling um, is one of the first ways to do it, like, this women's basketball road trip, 
no offense to the men's basketball people who run that, they're not doing this road trip where they go to multiple campuses across the country to talk to these women. So that gives them a leg up on something that the men might get an equal opportunity in through television deals, through being on ESPN all the time, like whatever it may be. Um, but for me, it's like utilizing the relationship. It's not men's versus women's. It's a together thing. And it truly is treating it like it's equal from the bottom so that when you get up here, like you're not bringing it along. It's just the way it's naturally progressed is look, they're both valid. They're both entertaining. It's the same sport. Like literally like the ball size is different mm -hmm. and there's a couple different rules and there's quarters and then there's halves, whatever. But like basketball is basketball. So like I said earlier, at the end of the day, you're putting a ball into a hoop. And I know I'm talking about one sport, so it's one instance, but I believe that women's basketball deserves a lot more love than than it's been getting. It's better than it used to be. I know that for a fact. I haven't been around forever. I'm only 23 years old now, but I know that, that we're making big strides. I just think um, the playing field needs to be leveled a little bit more. Um, and I think storytelling is is one solution. I don't think the, going back to that, the, the limelight of things, you know, you look at the spotlight that's been put on men's sports and the spotlight that's putting on women's sports, the spotlight size is not the same. One is bigger than the, the, than the other. And obviously we both know which one is smaller, but it takes people like you, um, Jenny and, and Olivia that, that put in the hard work to really make it the norm, to make it, to really talk about it, to doing the actions and not just really talking about it, but actually doing things to make it happen. Because there's a lot of people who complain about things or, or say like, yeah, that's a problem, but sure you're talking about, but what is it you're doing to make, make it, you know, a reality. So, and you mentioned the, the two and a half uh, or the month long road trip that you went on. So let's talk about that and that experience. Was that a lot of plane rides? Was that a lot of bus trips? Um, and then why don't you share us your favorite interview from that trip? Whew, well, yeah, so it's, and the numbers are wonky because like we first did the first stint in like three weeks and then we went back to Baylor and then we went to DePaul and then we went to Indiana and then it, stops were added places changed things went along but um we basically um hit a bunch of schools on the east coast drove between those flew over to to oregon went down the coast through california and then um flew to texas um and hit a couple of schools there so it was it was three straight weeks with my coworker nick <laughs> we have become very fond of each other since um, it's like hard to spend every waking moment of every day with, with one person. And, but no, Nick is incredible. He was the one who set up the logistics for everything. Um, so shout out to him for that, first of all. And his idea basically was this trip. Um, and so it was like, I tell people I peaked, like I literally <laughs> talked to travel around the country and talk about basketball with like the best of the best. So, there place that you went that was your favorite or that stands out to you honestly and like I've told people this before I thought North Carolina was just really cool and they they had a brand new head coach her name's Courtney Banghart like you can't not be in a good mood when you're talking to the most energetic person in the world and that is her so I loved that stop we just got to like walk around Carmichael which is where Michael Jordan played like and I was like oh as like a hoops junkie that was that was really cool. Um, but also like at Syracuse, that was our first stop, like getting to talk to Tiana. I also really connected with one of the players, Brooke Alexander, and like 
you go back to like that feeling of success and I don't even know if this is success but like her mom tweeted at me and said like you really made such an impact on her life like you're an authentic storyteller and that's what it takes you have heart and I was like oh my gosh Mrs. Alexander I don't even know you um, <laughs> but it's like those kind of things stick out to me like the connections and I think um I also really just when we got to Oregon, their head coach, Kelly Graves, like him and I talked about old school market basketball, for like 10 minutes. And that was not what we were there for. So it's like these, these people that you get to know um, as more than just coaches or players. Um, that's what I really enjoyed out of it. Like I said, I peaked. I don't know how else to explain. <laughs> I was up here. This was the peak. Yeah. So how does, uh, what do you think, was the hardest part what is the hardest part about your job because i have to highlight the downs as much as the highs because you've been talking about this amazing um journey and traveling so what is the hardest part about your job right now yeah and i'm transparent about this with the people i work with too like i miss being around people like i miss being around games i miss talking to people i miss like being a part of a, a tighter knit community when you're at an athletic department or somewhere like here at the NCAA, you, you have to be right. Like there's 363 Division One teams, you have to be like on on top of it in that way. And so for me, it's like I miss talking to people face to face, getting to know student athletes beyond just what I see on Twitter, what I see like on their athletics website. Um, and that's why the road trip was so cool because like it was right up my alley. So for me, I the hardest part of my job is remembering that. 98% of it is behind a screen. 2% of it is at championships or traveling to campuses, which is the best part of it and makes it all entirely worth it. Um, but it is, and that's like such like a, it, it's weird to say like that's hard because it's like, I'm grateful for my job. Yeah. yeah. Like, um, but it's hard not being around the people that you're telling all these stories about. Mm -hmm. And I think going through this process, I can tell you like, certain things I thought I would like are the things I probably hate the most now. And like you, I, I like to talk to people and I'm finding out like, and that's the reason why. So my official title is event management intramural coordinator. And so I'm finding out like, I, I like to interact with the student athletes. I like to help people find um, the different paths they take. And that's really, really part of the reason why I'm doing this podcast. And so here you are talking about storytelling and you want to talk to people and things like that. So the whole time I'm thinking now, why in the world is it that you haven't started a podcast yourself? Oh my gosh. My sister like texted me a couple months ago and she was like, if you did a podcast, I would listen to it. I was like, well, I would hope so. You're my sister. <laughs> um, no, I think that's, that's been something I've really wanted. Like, I think this is incredible. Like I mentioned um, what you guys are doing because you get to connect with people, meet new people, talk to people. I'm grateful to be able to virtually meet you guys. So, I mean, I think it could be in my future. Um, I think it's just something where I'll stick, I'll stay as a guest for now. Yeah. I, I will, I will be a guest for anyone who would like to have me. Um, but that could be something down the line that, that I could see happening. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So I guess, let me give you the floor and the stage. Um, I know that you mentioned earlier that this internship, this position you're in, um, and unfortunately ends in the year and it ends, when is it May? Is it May of yes. 2020? So I guess, what is your next step? What is the career or goal, your career goals that you have next? And what is it you 
where are you willing to go? Is it the whole world, the whole country? Uh, what is it you're willing to do and want to do? Yeah, wow. Well, yeah, I'm going to be a free agent. So that's exciting, um, but also a little scary. Um, I think for me, I, I need the basketball and the storytelling. I love the East Coast. Um, my dad is from New Jersey. have a ton of family in New York and New Jersey. Um, so whenever I'm there, I get to see family. But I'll be going to New York in, in a week for the Big East tournament. Um, so for me, it's I love the East Coast. I love New York. I lived there for three months for a summer internship at Fox Sports um, two years ago now. So for me, if I get to be picky, I love the East Coast. I love New York. And if it includes basketball and storytelling, I'm all in. Um, but if not, you know, I'm, I'm pretty open to moving anywhere. Um, I want to, like we mentioned, not be boxed in. Like, I kind of like being a jack of all trades. I like being able to do different things, be creative, try new things, take risks. And something that I didn't think would be important to me, but now is, is who I work, work for. And that doesn't mean the organization. That means the person directly above me. Are they going to trust me? Are they going to give me freedom? Are they going to let me fail and fail fast so I can pick myself back up and they can help me get back on the right track? So it's not something that I ever thought I would look for in the in the job process. Like, ooh, who will I be working for personnel-wise? But I think it's something people in sports need to, to keep in mind more because if you have a good boss, like you can do anything and you can get further along. Like my boss here, like I mentioned, Chris Dion, he is incredible. Like he serves up opportunities. He knows that one day I will have to leave. And so he'll be like, if you apply for that job and they want you to go there tomorrow, like you leave here tomorrow. And I was like, okay. Like, so, um, yeah, I'm, I'm going to plug that I will be a free agent come May as far as the job, but if there's basketball and storytelling involved, I might be a good candidate. So feel free to hire me. Anyone who is listening. I should start, me and Olivia should start being the WOJ of the, of the college athletic or sports world <laughs> and talk about the free agents that's moving that departments. Department. Dropping bombs. Exactly. Sure that that's information that sounds bad. Um, and also just so that you two know, like I'm in your corner for whatever you guys may need. Um, if you ever need anything, it doesn't have to be job hunt. It can just be life or life in college sports. So just wanted to plug that as well. Well, everybody out there, as always, I appreciate you taking the time out of your day to listen to Sports is a Job podcast. And the message from me, Olivia, and Jenny, as always, we are all on our own individual journeys, but you are not alone. <laughs>